2: So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
3: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world.
4: We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. Every afternoon, I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin,
3: And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Looking to hire? Indeed will help you speed up the process. They have 135 skills tests to help you find the right candidates faster. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Welcome back to the program. It's Betting Across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. I'm Mike Pritchard, your host out here in Las Vegas. Your other host out in Denver, Colorado, James Salinas. Uh, James updating the leaderboard from the U.S. Open. One of my favorite tournaments uh, when it comes to golf. all, All these majors, too. Um, Rogers is uh, minus three. Patrick Rogers, uh, he is through 14. Uh, Brooks Kepka, minus three as well. Uh, he's through uh, 13 holes. Russell Henley, minus two. I'm looking for other names. Uh, um, Xander uh, Scheifele, uh, he is uh, minus two through 12. Uh, Shoffele there. Uh, Xander Shoffele, he's minus actually minus three now uh, as they change the leaderboard here through 11.
6: Yeah, early. Obviously, a lot of uh, a lot of folks still need to tee off. So it's because it's out in the Torrey Pines, it's mm-hmm. out in California on the West Coast. So I think that's what's if we're so so many of these tournaments typically are on the East Coast or in the eastern part of the 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 country here that we're deeper into the tournament as the day when we get to these times of day. So I think you know from the a lot of talk about how are the greens going to play? Would they get faster? Would they? How would it play throughout the tournament? So I think that's the the thing to watch is. From where it started to how it plays out throughout the rest of the day with other folks that are going to tee off much later, was there a change in greens? And I think those are the kind of things that to look at because it's not just getting in front of you. Know, you always get better prices a lot of times on on some of these guys that are favored to win, even though they're all plus money. But thinking about being able to get in there in game and or get alternate prices as the day continues and as the rounds continue, I think that's something to watch here is how these greens play out throughout the day.
5: Yeah. You know, afternoon golf on the West Coast is interesting for sure. Phil Mickelson, by the way, plus two through 12. A lot has been made um, about Phil. You know, this is supposed to be his backyard, Torrey Pines, right outside of San Diego, that kind of thing. Uh, I saw him earlier struggling with the rough. I mean, that stuff is tough uh, out there, especially at U.S. Open, James
6: and now he's brought a lot of attention back to himself, winning the way, you know, taking down, he was a huge dog, right, a couple weeks back, plus some folks had a plus 200 mm-hmm. to win and so for him to be able to write to himself out there, and you know, he's part of the 50 club, and so for those of us <laughs> that are in the 50 club, Pritch, kind of root for guys like that, but to, to be able to put that same performance out there, I think the one thing that we saw a few weeks back when he did win was the fact that he had talked about his state of mind and being able to stay focused and composed for four rounds of golf. I think that's where over the last handful of years that and he admitted it and, and good for him. Sometimes uh, you learn through, you you can hold yourself accountable. You learn through your mistakes and when you can admit that, yeah, there's, there's, I've had struggles. I've had struggles to be able to concentrate and having lapses uh, with, with focus you can do things to rectify that and get himself in a better place mentally. And how does that play out in this tournament? Yeah, that's a different story, but great story for where Phil Mickelson was just a handful of years ago to where he is leading up now into this U.S. Open.
5: Yeah, other notable names, Justin Thomas, uh, plus one through 13, Colin Marikawa, uh, plus one through 13 as well. Uh, Just looking for some other names. This uh, U.S. Open, James, sometimes uh, day one, you know, filling out the course, but Brooks Kepka up there, uh, this guy has been making headlines for other reasons, obviously, but his golf, uh, as his health is improving, his golf is improving as well.
6: The biggest thing is, yeah, to stay focused. We just talked about Phil Mickelson and his his concentration level. To stay focused, forget all that other nonsense that's going on. Uh, who are you going to be paired with, and all this stuff that really doesn't have anything to do with the game once they get out there on the course. And to keep that mental focus here. And somebody like Kepka, yeah, you talked about the the physical nature of it. Anytime you're banged up, you're it's going to be a distraction for you, and it's going to impact you not only physically, but it's going to impact you psychologically. So, being the the healthier you can get, the less of a distraction that is. And for somebody like Kepka, you start to get healthy and you you get that dialed in with where his concentration level needs to be to be able to win a major mm-hmm. like the U.S. Open. Look out.
5: Yeah, definitely look out. I mean, uh, we know golf, this game, uh, U.S. Open between the ears is a big part of it. Uh, and the fact that he has so much uh, mental toughness, I mean, all the attention that he's drawn to himself anyway, uh, but then also responding this way, opening around U.S. Open, uh, that's the guy, certainly if you want to bet on U.S. Open, keep an eye on Brooks Kepka. It's Betting Across America, and we are presented by MGM. I'm Mike Pritchard, your host, live from Las Vegas. Your other host, James Salinas, out in Denver, Colorado, and happy to bring on to the program. Uh, can't wait for this, get, this next guest here, Scott Hastings, uh, former NBA player, uh, host, and NBA analyst for Altitude Sports as well. A uh, member uh, of the uh, famed bad boys out there, won a championship in 89. Scott, how are you today? doing all good. How about yourselves? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, so much to unpack with you today when it comes to NBA playoffs. Uh, let's start with the game tonight, though, because we have a game six situation. uh, Bucks, uh and the Nets. KD off an incredible performance. Uh, one for the ages as well. We, we James and I was talking about this earlier in terms of, okay, what to expect from KD, maybe James Harden. But on the other side, the Bucks win or go home. Uh, talk about the mindset that they're going to be in and certainly who can step up for their team uh, tonight.
7: Uh, well, listen, I think, I think you, you've got to get more and more people, the deeper and deeper you go. We, we always focus on the KDs, the Antetokounmpo's, the Nikola Jokic's, the – uh, the Chris Pauls, the big names, but when you find out more times than not, those guys kind of help nullify each other, and then it's those others, that second and third level guys, that 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 play well that can make a difference. Uh, I think this series has been closer, and if not for you know KD just going nuclear, which listen, this, this guy's one of the best players in the world, if not D as far as being able to do what he can do. He handles the ball and shoots the ball like a small forward, but he's still seven foot. He can take it to the rim. He can do stuff. And when he puts his mind to it, you know, the 50 points, uh, I, I once called a game in Oklahoma city when uh, Durant and Westbrook went for 92 of the teams, hundred uh, I don't even know, 115 points. So big points have, have always been in, in Kevin's bag. You know, but now he's starting to throw out, you know, 17 rebounds and getting other people involved with the, the 10 assists and so on makes it even even tougher. And, you know, Brooklyn, you know, both these teams have got guys that could be there. I think it's an uphill battle for Milwaukee because they'll have to win two, including one in Brooklyn. Um, and, and, and you know, even like we saw last night, you know, I think Philadelphia is better than, than Atlanta, but they got a big anchor now around their neck for giving up leads and you know I think still anchor around Milwaukee franchise by being the, the best regular season team the previous two years and then failing in the play that that wears on a franchise a little bit but to me if, if Milwaukee can win Google will be on to, to he has to play defensively on Durant more they, they can't, can't put guards on Durant he's seven foot you got to put another guy that's athletic and let's be honest going to get the benefit of the doubt of some calls also, but you got to have him on here defensively. And then we'll see if the the as quote unquote others, how they play.
6: Well, Scott, and you're mentioning the others out there for both sides, right? And I think we see, especially when you're going on the road, in this case for the Nets going out on the road, you want to have your some of the veteran leaders on your team have to step up. We saw that for the Hawks with some of the veterans with Gallo stepping up last night, as well as Lou Williams to be able to fill the scoring role. What do you see from the Nets side? Because it can't just we're not going to see the same game out of Durant. We know it's, it's a spectacular game in Game Five out of KD, but other guys are going to have to step up, in particular. I'm not sure what Harden's health status is going to be, but somebody like Blake Griffin had a big game in that Game 5 matchup, now having to go on the road and have to still help KD with the scoring load. What do you expect out of some of the other players, in particular like Blake Griffin and or Jeff Green, making an impact in this Game 6?
7: Well, uh, Jeff Green has three NBA championships, right? So he, he, he has played in and had success in big games. I think he won two in San Antonio and he was on that Toronto roster. So he, he's, you know, he's, he's Mr. Steady at this time in his career, Blake Griffin. I got to believe on Brooklyn team, there can't be any player more hungry uh, than him, you know, with lob city kind of, you know, becoming flop city after a while and and everybody getting shipped out and moved around. Uh, This is almost a redemption uh, time for him to be playing this deep and, and a chance to go to the Eastern Conference finals. and Who knows the NBA finals? I think if we're being honest, you guys know about more about this than, than I, I, I got to believe there are be the odds on favorite to win the whole thing right now. Um, yeah, you're, you You've got to have guys like that step up. I, I think they got a hell of a weapon in, in Harris too. I mean, he's one of the best three point shooters in the league. So now if you're Milwaukee, what do you do? You concentrate on, on, you know, Durant, no, watch out for Harden. Okay. So now we can kind of control both of those. And then all of a sudden you got a Blake Griffin who could still be a beast around the rim. He's, you know, that he's added that little, you know, standstill set shot three pointer. And, and then, you know, Harris, you let Harris go around and all of a sudden, you know, this guy, this guy's, he's one of those guys I wish Denver could have gotten last year. That's how (laughs) much I'm like, like Joe Harris, but, um, that's going to be interesting. The, the Milwaukee's got to have guys. You know, they they had some success two games ago with Tucker playing a little bit with Durant. Uh, I think you still see you know the true the true, you know who's really the great player. But Tucker's got to have a big game. Drew Holiday's got to have a big game. Uh, Chris Middleton's got to be uh, absolutely solid and do the things he can. And, and I I because Brooklyn's undersized, you almost like to think can there is there an opportunity. For a Brook Lopez to kind of go off and use that size inside, which you know, unless they pull, uh, play DeAndre Jordan, you know, they really don't have any size to match uh, Brook.
5: We're speaking with uh, Scott Hastings, former NBA player, current host and an NBA analyst, uh, Altitude Sports, out there in Denver, Colorado. Uh, uh, Scott, uh, on that note, Lopez, he's got a player prop thirteen and a half points. Uh, also, from a betting perspective, we've seen this line go in a favor of Milwaukee. It opened up minus three and a half, is now up to minus five and a half. So bettors are are believing and wanting to back Milwaukee here. So I guess my question to you, uh, if I'm looking to bet this game before tip-off or even in game. Uh, Uh, Milwaukee, can they avoid being stagnant? I mean, or is that just a habit uh, that they can't break at this point?
7: Well, they were one of the best uh, offensive teams over the previous couple of years, and you may have to do that. You know, they're they're playing at home. And, you know, when you play in the playoffs, the the mindset of a veteran team, okay, and, and say you don't have the home court advantage. Um, your mindset is you you handle your business at home, and all we have to do is win one game on the road and we can win this thing. So Milwaukee's in that situation right now. All they got to do is win at home. I say all they got to do, they got to be Kevin Durant and James Harden. (laughs) Uh, That's all they got to do, right? That's right. That's Uh, it. Yeah, that's all they got (laughs) to do. But you got to hold your home. And then, you know, listen, I always felt a game seven, the pressure usually is on the home team. And the more that a that a road team, and, and, and maybe even for Milwaukee tonight, you know, being at home and they can't lose, you, you want to play, uh, you want to be in the game in the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden you see where the pressure sits, right? And all of a sudden, I mean, look at what Philadelphia, that fourth quarter, all of a sudden it got tight. I mean, you saw those guys. I mean, they couldn't do anything. Um, so that, you know, for Brooklyn tonight, and if, and if Milwaukee wins this game for Milwaukee, when they play game seven, you want to make it a fourth quarter game. And to me, all the pressure goes on the home team. And that's where you have LeBron James and Kyrie Irving going crazy and upsetting the 73 win golden state team in a game seven. That those things happen.
6: Scott you mentioned Philadelphia last night and what a a, just a a complete abomination when it comes to collapsing in that fourth quarter in that second half the lead that they had and how stagnant they got on offense in that game five loss to Atlanta and couldn't close out game four when they had a late lead had a lead at halftime couldn't finish the game ultimately lost that game to Atlanta as well now moving back to game six Atlanta nothing to lose young team uh, feeling full confident we've seen a of what a spectacular series and playoff from Trey Young. Talk about the Sixers mindset now, blowing the way that they the the lead that they did in game five and now backs against the wall, I guess, for the season now having to go win game six in Atlanta tomorrow.
7: Well, y- y- you you may watch about one minute of that fourth quarter just as you know, to start the example and to get everybody's attention. And then you flip it off and say enough's enough. Um, we're a better team. We're the better team. We know that. And we, we gave them that game. Uh, and, and you go in and play matter of factly. You play like you're the, the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, who is supposed to be in the Eastern Conference Finals this year. And, and you just take command of that game and don't give it back. Last night's game, and what you got to be leery of, and it's the young player star mentality, you, you, you kind of get one of two things can happen. One, it can be, you know, as you just mentioned, a, a, not a free-for-all, but carefree kind of attitude that, you know, what pressure? I mean, we're, we're playing with house money today. This ain't, I mean, for Atlanta, how's this house money right now? We're supposed to be out of this thing already. And you play carefree, and if you're on playing that way, tough team to beat. Uh, for Philly, they look like a team that had no veteran leadership. Because, and, I, and I'll give you an example of that, just, just with the, the – nuggets getting swept out by phoenix uh when when phoenix got up 3-0 and and you got one of what i think one of the best leaders in basketball and he's been this way for about 10 years but chris paul wasn't no way chris paul was going to lose game four and and not take advantage of a handful of days off and get some rest and he played like it i think he had 37 in, in that game four uh philadelphia doesn't have that veteran leader Philadelphia didn't have that guy. So, boys, hey, we're in this thing tonight. And let's hope that Brooklyn and Milwaukee go to game seven. And especially where the injuries have been popping up, it says Harden doesn't, you know, win game seven and pull that hamstring again. And all of a sudden now he's missing the first three games of the, of the next series. So if they had a veteran leader on that team, and everybody said, well, that's Doc. And, and, and I, I get you. And the coach can do so much. But I'm telling you, you need a guy, you need a floor general on the floor uh, that says, "Not stop, done, let's go," let's in this thing. And and I don't think you would have seen the debacle you saw last night. Instead, you know, you're really counting on a whole lot of young guys. You know, and I'm and, and listen, Ben Simmons is a hell of a talent, but man, I don't think he's a leader. At least he hasn't shown any signs. Joel Embiid, I think, is one of the greatest players in the league. You know, but I don't know if he's a leader. Fun guy to be around. Looks like a fun teammate. But but they got to say, stop, done, no. And, and they didn't have anybody to do that. So that's what you look forward to with Philly. Can somebody step up and take that leadership void, you know, like a Chris Paul did against Denver said, Nah, hey, we ain't, we ain't playing a game five. We're done. We're resting.
5: Scott, on that leadership note, uh, we saw the Clippers take command of the series uh, on the road against Utah. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Utah other than the fact that, okay, Mitchell's banged up. Connolly certainly uh, is a factor. Maybe we'll see him in this next game. Uh, But your thoughts on what you saw with the Clippers, uh, enough leadership, uh, enough uh, moxie uh, to carry them through the finish line and get to the Western Conference Finals.
7: Yeah, yeah. And there was a guy that that limped off the floor that had a big part of doing that, right? Um, which may have saved this series for Utah. Uh, but it's a little bit to me, Mike, going exactly what we what we just talked about. You know, there's this unbelievable veteran leader who's got multiple NBA championships and uh, Finals MVP. He may not have a league MVP, but. You know, if you're a player, do you you want to be the MVP of the league or the MVP of the Super Bowl, right? Because if you're the MVP of the Super Bowl, you got yourself a ring. Um, And Kawhi's got two of those. So that's going to be interesting. I think Mike Connolly, uh, they got him in late last year. He was hurt a lot, and you never really saw, you know, him kind of take control. But then you saw him this year pretty much mostly healthy. And you saw where they went, a little bit like what Chris Paul did uh, with with Phoenix this year. I thought Conley was doing in a different way with uh, with Utah, and I think that hurts because yeah. now you think about, it, even though you got Joe Ingles and and a lot of other guys, uh, Bogdanovich, who really hasn't been in this kind of pressure thing in his career. Right, a chance to go to these conference finals. You know, he's been a great player, but he hadn't really played in this this type of environment. Uh, you lose Mike Connolly. And, you know, Mike Conley's gone through the battles with the grindhouse and, and all those tough series with the Clippers before and all that different stuff. I think that is what's hurt Utah the most. Uh, and, and, and with him gone, think about this, guys, they're the team that lost up 3-1 last year in the playoffs, right? They, they, they're still that team in the first round that had a 3-1 lead, and although it was in the bubble, with a 3-1 lead, couldn't close out. So that that's, without Mike Conley, that's kind of who you have left trying to get this thing going. So uh, it, it all comes to veterans uh, and, and leadership, or, or it comes to leadership, and doesn't mean a young guy, because I think Trey Young is probably that leader in, in Atlanta. Um, but I tell you what, it doesn't hurt to have Nate McMillan there, Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I, I think I'll be shocked if the Clippers can hold on only because of the injury to
5: Kawhi. Uh is Scott Hastings I think
7: if Kawhi plays, I think they would have won I, I think Kawhi, I think if Kawhi plays, they would have they would have ended Utah's season.
5: Okay. But oh, I
7: don't think case. that's gonna happen
5: now. Yeah, well, well we're looking forward to uh the next round for sure. I mean the NBA playoffs have been spectacular. Uh Scott Hastings, uh former NBA player, won a championship with the bad boys out there in Detroit. Uh current NBA analyst for Altitude Sports. Cannot thank you enough for your time, Scott. That was awesome.
7: Guys, anytime,
5: just give me a holler. Sounds good. Absolutely. will definitely do that. <laughs> Great to have an NBA player's uh, perspective, uh, certainly a, a champion NBA player's perspective. Uh, had so much more to ask him, James. Maybe we can get to it if Embiid uh, uh, moves on. We'll see what happens with that series uh, moving forward, though, in the NBA playoffs. Coming up next, though, overreaction to mandatory minicamps. Get James Salinas' thoughts uh, on these overreactions that's out there right now. Let's come up next we COVID forced Canadian racing into a long delay, but they are competing again at Woodbine. Champion jockey Rafael Hernandez talks about his recent injury and competing again, all on the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. Penelope Miller of America's Best Racing talks about her job traveling the country to photograph thoroughbreds. Rampart Sports book director Dwayne Colucci handicaps weekend races. You can subscribe now at iHeart, Apple, Google, Spotify, or Stitcher, or download the Ron Flatter Racing Pod every Friday morning at vcin.com slash podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts, and sponsored by First Bet. Welcome back to the show, Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas with you today. James, overreactions, (laughs) mandatory minicamp. Here we go. Um, Drew Locke apparently has dominated at Broncos practice this week. Uh, Are you willing to, I don't know, get interested, more interested in Drew Locke and the Broncos right now because he's dominating at mandatory minicamp?
6: According to media reports, right, that he's dominating. Is it his mom's social media report? Maybe I think we saw his, <laughs> we saw his mom get involved uh, on social media as far as trying to to validate and, and back her son. And you know, moms are gonna do what they do. But when you're getting into social media, maybe there's a, a boundary that you probably don't want to cross for a professional athlete out there, especially one that's supposed to be the leader of your ball club, there at the quarterback position, and and expected to be the face of the franchise. When you're talking about uh, being able to to move the football and score. I just I don't know what that what does that mean dominated Pritch do they keep score? Are, are we callying scores in in these in these mini camps well there's what, no pens. what is a mini camp t- tell me <laughs> what is what does minicamp look like right they're not are, are you doing because I think the thing with drew yeah. block and the struggles that he's had now he's a young player and mm-hmm. hasn't had a whole lot of starts under his belt and didn't have the the benefit of uh, an offseason last year for the most part with the with Shermer and the new coordinator coming over but thinking about what does that look like if you're in offense and you're in minicamp facing a defense I mean is it pretty vanilla as far as the defense is concerned I mean, they're not really doing a whole lot of things to try to confuse you, are they? Because I think that's been the the knock on Drew Locke is his inability to read defenses, and then it's really compounded by his poor decision-making because he hasn't been able to make the right reads.
5: Yeah, I mean, he's dominating uh, media reports. Okay, he's plus 160 to be the week one starter. Uh, Bridgewater also plus 160 uh, to be the uh, week one starter. Any other not listed is plus 225 for the Broncos, the week one starting quarterback. So this mandatory minicamp basically – it's a precursor to many uh, to training camp, James. So uh, I think coaches want an evaluation on how much these guys have retained through all the Zoom, through all the OTAs, conditioning and stuff. And so you get a gauge uh, or a feel on what you can begin with in training camp. Uh, so if Drew Locke is advanced here, I mean, if, if he's handling the playbook, uh, his retention, his reads, if he's in fact dominating, okay, that gives the Broncos an edge up in terms on what they want to get to in training camp. Preparing for their first opponent, for instance, Uh, preparing and working on other things as opposed to uh, reinstalling everything and wasting time doing that. I mean, uh, it does give the Broncos a leg up if their quarterback is in fact playing that well.
6: And for Drew Locke, that's, I guess that's what I'm wondering is what is he facing there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. how much did you retain from last year? Mm-hmm. But then what are you facing? And then to the extent of what you're facing is not going to be in these camps. What you're going to face against your opponent that knows what your weaknesses are and they know that they can disguise coverages against you and force you into to poor decisions with the football because you don't read defenses very well. And I think that's the other part. If, if he was in such a great place rolling at, after the season, why would they have gone? after Teddy Bridgewater. Why the need to bring Bridgewater in? Insurance? Is that all it is? Is this insurance here? I still just, luck is not one that I'm going to trust to be able to be, not only make the right decisions on the field, but as far as his leadership capacity, uh, to me, there's no question when you're talking about the leadership and who guys are going to follow on that field and make mine Bridgewater over luck.
5: Okay, mandatory minicamp too, James. We had some notable holdouts. Uh, Gilmore for the Patriots, uh, Adams. They all want new contracts. Uh, Howard for the Dolphins, uh, Chandler Jones for the Cardinals. Uh, Any setbacks here uh, for these football teams as they get ready for training camp?
6: I don't think so. I mean, it's so early. We're talking June. Right. Yeah. So we're, we're months away from the season to start. And these are they're their defenders, their veteran leaders. And I think for some of them, yeah, you think about Jamal Adams, he's probably still trying to, to heal up from last year. That guy went through a number of different debilitating injuries that he played through, in particular that shoulder injury that you could just see he was gutting it out from week to week, trying to stay out there because he knows he is, he is, he's got to take that leadership role on the back end for that defense. So for me, are there any concerns about uh, these holdouts right now, especially with these defensive players, veteran players, that know their role on the team no concern at this point. yeah
5: we're about to go silent for the next six weeks in terms of football getting ready for training camp so the overreactions uh from mandatory mini camp uh still are coming the drama has to continue on the calendar teams when it comes to national football league how about major league baseball some great games on the schedule we'll talk about those coming up next The NHL and NBA playoffs are here and our experts are covering every angle to find betting edges. v hockey expert Andy McNeil is tracking all the NHL action and our senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel has all the hoops insights. Our experts and the entire Vsin team give you all the tools to make the most of every bet on the playoffs, including odds and analysis for every game, all on vsin.com and our daily members-only best bet emails. Now is the time to cash in on the playoffs. Sign up for your... 10-day free trial at vcin.com slash subscribe welcome back to the show it's betting across america and we are presented by betmgm mike pritchard james salinas with you today a little bit of breaking news uh rick carlisle stepping down as dallas mavericks head coach Uh, jonathan von Tobel, our senior nba analyst He's going to be on the program in a little bit uh, to follow up on this story uh, for sure, James. But as we turn to Major League Baseball, uh, some games, some attractive games on the schedule, really. Uh, Reds and the Padres. I mean, the Reds are hot. Uh, Padres are not. Uh, But yet maybe a betting opportunity here in this game, James. I like the dog
6: in this spot. Plus 155 okay. is where I got it on the Reds. And you, t- you talked about who's hot and who's not. Yeah, stick straight for the Reds, but more so mm-hmm. the Padres. And a lot of hype and hoopla coming into the Padres in the offseason, rightfully so. A lot of talent on that roster and in within, particularly within that batting lineup. And. It's been a struggle lately. These, these last handful of weeks, they've lost 13 out of 17 and have really struggled to 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 put runs across the board. And, you know, a team that, that really relies on the long ball a lot with some of the talent that's on that roster. And they have some speed, too. And I like the fact that they're, they're aggressive on the base pass. Love that. It's very rare now. That's the exception in Major League Baseball now, Rich, with, mm-hmm. with guys stealing bases and trying to go in first to third. And so that's great to see that. you got to try to manufacture some runs. But even the man you trying to manufacture runs for this team right now for the Padres I just feel like this is a team with a lot of pressure on them and brought that on themselves with a lot of the talk that was going down and how they close out the season last year and and then the contracts and the money that was thrown around into that li- into that clubhouse and onto that lineup it's a team that feel I feel like is really pressing and you know now they put the target on them. they're not they are they're the hunted not the hunter anymore in this case and thinking about the the pitching matchup here not that Musgrove Musgrove's bad yeah I had a no-hitter earlier this season has been fine for the majority of the season, but he does labor through some of these innings. And I think on the other side with Wade Miley, and I think that's really why I'm going here with this plus price and plus 155 Wade Miley going and facing a a struggling uh, pressing team right now in the Padres where Miley's a guy that works. He he'll throw a lot of junk. He'll work both sides of the plate. He'll get you to chase. He doesn't walk batters and he doesn't get the ball. He doesn't. The ball doesn't leave the yard. He's only given up three home runs so far this season. The last one was back on April 30th. So he's been pitching very well. And a majority, I think for for Miley, nine out of his 11 starts, two-run runs or less. Mm-hmm. Love that here. He keeps his team in the games here, and so with Cincinnati plus 155, Pritch, with this matchup? I just couldn't resist the dog.
5: All right. I like it. Uh, you know, considering two, Snell got roughed up early. They kept him out there against the Rockies, and okay, so uh, I, I'm wondering if, if the bullpen situation for the Padres, if they get there, if they get there. I mean, I, the Reds, Red Hot, uh, you know, beginning of the year, they they started off hot, too, and, and if they can get to that bullpen situation, certainly against the Padres, uh, gives an edge in this one as well
6: not that the reds bullpen is anything i can't <laughs> right. wait to get to the reds bullpen and close <laughs> these games out here i was to th- end to your point i was thinking about the first five but but really i just settled on the full game which okay. is the, usually the exception for me it's usually first five but i am going to go full game here i did get a bit of a better price with the full game. And yeah, Cincinnati's bullpen is not the one that I, I'm in love with, but it's more so just the fact that right now the Padres are really pressing at the plate and they're not going to see a lot of good pitches to hit. It's you're not going to get center cut fastballs out of Wade mm-hmm. Miley, even if he does fall behind. He's a very crafty pitcher out there and going against a team that is pressing at the plate like my chances there with Miley on the mound, maybe get six innings out of him, but a plus price really with a struggling team right now in the Padres plus 155 pritch mm-hmm. It was too juicy to pass up.
5: All right. How about Milwaukee and Colorado? The Rockies at home. They're plus 140. Uh, The total in this game is 10.
6: Talk about the Rockies are completely it's they are two teams. It's Jekyll and Hyde home team They they're so confident play so well when they're at home in particular their their lineup when they're when they're up to They just they have a different it's a different approach for the Rockies when they're at the when they're playing in Coors field As opposed to they are on the road You talk about a team pressing We were talking about the Padres pressing when they're struggling to score runs That's exactly what the Rockies have been all season long when they're on the road really struggled to score and puts a lot of pressure on their uh, on their staff and not that they have a great bullpen either but this is another dog it's plus 140 in favor well, it's, yeah, we're laying a dollar 55 in most places here with the uh, depending on the straddle in favor of Woodruff and I get it Woodruff's a terrific pitcher I've backed him plenty of times so far this season but now with this whole alleged we'll just call it a until somebody actually gets popped and we'll we'll see if they get that 10-day suspension with pay I think it is uh, you yeah,
9: a little slap <laughs> right
6: here, as far as that goes suspension but, with but pay. (laughs) I know, but there, but I think there's been talk about it and it's been, you know, pitchers are very conscious of it. And I don't know if anybody wants to be that first guy to get pinched doing that. And somebody like Woodruff, you talk about the spin rates and all those kind of things here with Woodruff. Well, he's somebody that loves to live up in the zone. He's got, he's got a filthy slider too, but he likes, he really throws a lot of those four seamers, which have that rise and that late rise, especially getting that, that added spin onto it. What is that going to look like coming to Coors Field now? And he answers some questions about it, not about himself in particular but mm-hmm. he just said, you know, pitchers will adapt to this change. He's talking about pitchers in general will adapt to the change and he says, it's not like we've forgotten how to throw the baseball. Well, I think he'd like to forget how he's throwing the baseball in Coors Field. He yeah. has an ERA over nine and a couple starts in Coors Field. Now it's been a while since he's been uh, had a start here in Denver, but in this case here, you're giving me plus money with Herman Marquez on the mound. I've backed Herman a number of times at home. He pitches better at Coors Field than he does on the road. Now this is going to be that one of those those competitive redemption spots that I like for pitchers. Herman's really the, he and Gray are the the leaders of that staff, and he's going to, he had a terrible outing on the road last week in Cincinnati. He's going to want to redeem himself here, and this is a really weak-hitting lineup for the Brewers. So, giving me plus 40 with the Rockies at home, mm-hmm. completely different team in Coors Field than they are on the road. Another dog that I'm going to roll with, too, another one, too juicy for me to pass up.
5: Okay, 90 degrees and a wind blowing out at 11 miles an hour to you, James, over there at Coors Field.
6: I think for the wind blowing out, it's not too impactful because it does kind of swirl. When we're talking about it, it it doesn't really come in too hard from the east because it is open air to the west. But in this case here, yeah, I'll stay away from the total in this matchup and just I keep rolling with the Rockies. Just swept the Padres at home, and we'll see uh, the sticky stuff or lack thereof has any impact on Woodruff having to come pitch at Coors Field.
5: All right, I like those plays right there. Major League Baseball, Uh, uh, great great schedule uh, today. Uh, Coming up next on the program, Jonathan. Von Tobol, senior NBA analyst. Uh, the Rick Carlisle news uh, just breaking. Uh, update on that, uh, as well as more from the NBA playoffs, it's coming up next.
2: To start listening,
0: MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season, and guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tory Deal. I'm a six-time finalist
1: and a Challenge champion, and I'm Anisa Ferrer. And I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All Star. And
0: speaking of All Stars, All Stars Four is.
5: Sign up with BetMGM and turn a $1 wager on the Bucks or Nets into 100 if either team hits the 3 Just use bonus code VSEN100 when you sign up with the king of sportsbooks. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com for more details and make sure to use promo code VSEN100. It's a new customer offer paid and free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be at least 21. Located in Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania tennessee washington dc virginia or west virginia excludes michigan disassociated persons please gamble responsibly if you feel you have a problem 1-800-522-4700 in colorado nevada virginia and washington dc 1-800-270-7117 for help in michigan 1-800 gambler in new jersey pennsylvania and west virginia 1-800 bets off in iowa and tennessee call or text the red line 800-889-9789 in indiana Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Welcome back to the show, Betting Across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas, your host today, and happy to bring on to the program, Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA expert. JVT, what's going on? How are you? pretty good. Pritch, the Clippers, pulled out yesterday. Really good performance for PG and uh, it was a good
9: day of basketball. Obviously, some intriguing storylines with the Philadelphia 76ers, too. So, and we got a big game tonight. So, this is uh, this has been a fun postseason.
5: Yeah, it has been a turbulent one, too. Rick Carlisle stepping down. Uh, we saw the disturbance from Luca That turned into, I don't know, a system in the front office and now a full-blown storm out there uh, in Dallas in terms of the Mavericks. Uh, from a betting perspective, looking forward, Uh, James, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen out there. What's going to be the fallout?
6: Well, as far as fallout goes, we're we're seeing, right, JVT, isn't it win now? Is it win now or else? And I think we're seeing maybe for Mavericks, he's talking about some longstanding guys, president of operations and president of the team, Donnie Nelson gone, and now Coach being gone too. Is it out with the old and in with the new?
9: Yeah, I mean, I I think it it seems it's really interesting because that report, right, revolves around Harlow and as his role with the team and a couple of people now leave one in the front office for a Carlisle voluntary leaving with, with time left on a contract. It, it's very odd in terms of what is happening. So I mean, I think they've always kind of been in a win now mode to a certain extent, right? When you have a player like Luka Doncic, uh, you are clearly going to try to win as much as possible and as soon as possible, especially when he ups your four, you know, as much as he does with his level of play. So they're definitely in a in a system right now where you gotta add some pieces that are gonna be effective, but you can't have off season moves like acquiring Josh Richardson and swapping him out for Seth Curry and that being a complete and utter loss on your end. You know, you gotta be able to hit the ball out of the park with some of these off season moves. So I think I don't know if it's maybe win now, but the guys that are now making decisions for this team have some pressure on their shoulders because now two guys are out. And the last few moves have not been great. And you have a star who's going to be on a massive contract. You got to get some things right. So there's a lot of pressure on whoever's pulling the trigger on all these moves now going forward, for sure.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, JVT, keep an eye on that for sure. Um, uh, the game tonight, uh, Brooklyn and Milwaukee, we saw this one open up. Uh, minus three and a half is now up to minus five and a half. Milwaukee, uh, you've been in tune with this, uh, whether it's an overreaction to injury news or or what the marketplace is setting these numbers at. Uh, how do you interpret this um, line move and then certainly uh, your thoughts on the game as well?
9: Yeah, you know, so yesterday, it's a five and a half of Brooklyn, so I'm already in on this. Like, I just... Again, talking about overreactions and where we've been at with this series. You know, let's let's walk through these last few games because uh, let's be pretty clear on this too. You know, the market's been wrong throughout this entire series. You know, the Nets are four and one against the spread in this series, and the market has moved in some odd fashion against them multiple times, and it just hasn't really made sense. You know, you go back. Let's go to Game Three, right? The market overreacts. The Bucks are down two nothing, right in the series. We get the whole back home two zero, you know, um, you know, uh, trend. But you get an inflated line of three and a half. The Bucks don't cover that. In the next game In game four, Brooklyn is a rightful one point favorite on the road. And then, you know, let's talk about that because they're a one point favorite on the road with Kyrie Irving. So they're back on the road here. Kyrie Irving's not there, but James Harden is back. So if you even want to argue that James Harden is not worth much or anything to the point spread, is Harden's like presence even injured? Is is that like worth losing? Like six points to a spread? Like it's just something that doesn't make sense from where they were at in game four in this series in terms of the point spread to where we're at now, game six back in this venue. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So I think this is a really big overreaction. Like there's no mathematical thing that you can tell me that is worth swinging this line to all the way to five and a half in favor of the Milwaukee bucks. So I took five and a half and there's still look, even from the point spread aside, right? there's still matchups at work in Kevin Durant in the Brooklyn Nets favor. You know, we could talk about how great Kevin Durant is. What they did in that matchup the other night was Kevin Durant saw Pat Connaughton and he exploited him on almost every single possession, bringing his guy over, forcing him to screen, forcing him to switch over, and maybe there's some adjustment from Milwaukee on the defensive end of the floor. But they don't have a defensive presence to handle uh, Kevin Durant. Maybe we see more Giannis Antetokounmpo on him. But again, if you're going to be switching, if you're going to be hunting some of those mismatches, it's it's a lot easier said than done that Giannis is going to take him on every single possession. But regardless, I have defensive matchups that work in Durant's favor and Brooklyn Nets' favor. I have an inflated number. To me, it's Nets or pass, and I took the Nets.
6: JVT, you mentioned adjustments. Let's talk about the total and the adjustment we've seen in the total throughout this series of where it started in game one, we 238, 239, and now all the way down. It's talking about this game tonight, sitting at 220, 221-ish. Talk about the adjustment we've seen in the pace of play with this series from game one now through game five and leading into game six and the adjustment of these totals sitting now at 220. Any interest or any position on this total, whether you're going over or under?
9: No, so I haven't had an interest. I will say that, it seems that this, this uh, series has sped up a little bit, but it's still much slower than you expect between these two teams. We're talking about essentially 99 possessions uh, per game between these two. So it is pretty slow given you know where they both were at in the regular season and how frequently they would get up and down the floor. Um, But you're right, like, the adjustment is obviously there, and it finally goes over the total in the final game that we see here between these two. But the thing that still worries me, right, is, again, when you look at the Brooklyn Nets situation, you know, Harden's back out there, and and that helps with the turnovers and the production you get uh, out of your backcourt, right? Because one of the worries when you were looking at a Harden and Kyrie-less backcourt was, okay, who's facilitating, who's ball handling, what's going to happen. There's going to be some bad turnovers. This offense is going to kind of fall into a rut. And you didn't get that hard and quietly still had, what, seven, eight assists in that game last time out. You'd expect, although he played 46 minutes a day off, that it been hamstrings just a little bit better. And so maybe provide a little bit more of a presence on offense in terms of attacking the basket. So I, I think that maybe if you're looking at this, you're probably still feeling good if you want to bet this thing over yet again. And you're still going to get Kevin Durant out there. So I would tend to lean to this thing going over the total. I haven't had a good read on the totals in this series whatsoever, though. So I would say I'm going to stay away. But I think it would be over a pass for me.
5: We're speaking with Jonathan Von Tobel, v Senior NBA Expert. Follow him on Twitter. uh, And I suggest you do at me jvt and here's why uh yesterday we saw that line utah and the clippers climb all the way to minus eight and a half uh and you had some interesting comments on twitter about that game for sure as the clippers uh get the victory
9: yeah look and so this is kind of like my theme here we talk about overreactions in the market it was i said it right before we went we were on the air on the nightcap. I did the nightcap yesterday before the game started. I, I was like, look, I'm on the Clippers, and this is one of those that even if they lose and don't cover, this is the right side. You know, this is, it was a really big reaction to what's going on with Kawhi. I mean, think about where you were in game four. The Clippers are a five point favorite at home, right? Yes, Kawhi played in that game. And then you swing all the way to catching eight and a half at Utah, right? So, again, just like a basic, basic little math equation, we've factored in the two and a half points as home court right now, right? That's been pretty solid throughout the entire postseason. So you can do a five-point swing because you're playing in Utah. That, that puts you at about pick. Let's say you want to give the, we you know, the Kawhi's not going to play. So, like, where does that put you in terms of Kawhi's worth? So we're talking about Kawhi being like eight and a half points worth it to the point spread, right? It gets a massive, massive swing for one player. And it also is Kawhi is worth a lot. But it also ignores so many of the matchups that work in the Los Angeles Clippers' favor. What they've been doing defensively, how they've been attacking within four feet of the basket, in the painted area, all of those things. So, And we've seen the adjustment, by the way. This next game up, the Jazz are now a two-point favorite. That's about a two-point adjustment off of you know the trend of what that number was yesterday. Mm-hmm. So the market has come down a little bit here. But the Clippers, they figured things out in L.A., man. There's some schematic things that they're working in their advantage. And you saw that again yesterday in that win.
6: Jamie t- talking about adjustment in prices and thinking about last night with the 76ers and the mindset, what is this? What is a point spread worth to the collective team psyche of the Philadelphia 76ers right now? Not only obviously the, just completely dumping that game yesterday in the second half to the Hawks, but also not being able to finish and close out game four where they had a lead late in that game. Where's the mindset of the Sixers team rolling into Atlanta game six
9: tomorrow as a three, Point favorite. You know, it's it's probably it's obviously not in a good place, right? Like everything that's going on with this team. But like James, if you're hanging on to one thing if you're Philly, it is what now? Is it four consecutive games in which they have held a double digit lead of some sort, right? Like this has been a series in which there has been times that they have been looking downright dominant. And you know, I talked about this yesterday. If you look at where they were getting their points, it was Joel Embiid and it was Seth Curry. Those are two matchups that they have to their advantage. Nobody's stopping Joel Embiid and the Hawks are trying to hide Trey Young on Seth Curry. So you got those to work in your favor but you need more from Tobias Harris. You need a half court offense in crunch time when the game slows down in the fourth quarter. And you have to wonder where they get those things from. But at the end of the day, if you're feeling confident in Philadelphia, the one thing you tell yourself is you've exploited the two matchups that you have in your favor. You've built up double digit leads in four consecutive games now, whether you've blown the two of them or not, you've had them. That now you just got to be able to stick to them and you got to improve your half court offense. Now, a lot of that is on Doc Rivers. He hasn't shown that he's able to do it, but there are things that are clearly working in their favor that they just have to maintain throughout the fourth quarter and in crunch time.
5: Jonathan Von Toble, VCEN senior NBA expert. Follow him on Twitter again at me, JVT. JVT, thanks again for your time. Good to talk to you guys. Thank you. You too, absolutely. James, I got my popcorn ready for the NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs tonight.
6: Tonight, it's on. I think. I think as far as the Nets, we talked about it. I'm not going to get involved with the side of the total. I'm already vested with the Nets to win in six and win in seven, and lost the hedge with the ball, with the Bucks to win in six because that's clearly not going to happen. But as far as that's concerned, more so here with the Islanders plus a dollar twenty five at home in Rock and Roll in Nassau Coliseum. That's been tailgating for a month. I like <laughs> the Islanders. I'll take the plus price with the home dog.
5: I know. How about that? I cannot wait to see that atmosphere. Great job today, James. We'll see you back on the program tomorrow.
6: Good luck with you tonight. See you, man.
5: Absolutely. Sounds good. James Lean is right there. My guys in the desert, come up next right here on vSIN, the Sports Betting Network.